Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. Well, that song you hear is Vanessa Carlton, and that means it's a guilty pleasure Friday. Really? Yeah. Is that what that is? Yeah, man. Uh, we were doing this for a while, and then we did Reggae Friday during uh-huh. the summer because it was like summer vibes. Right. And now we're in September, man, so we're back to Guilty Pleasure Friday. When you were playing for the Broncos, did you always do the uh, Did you do the uh, Country Music Friday? What did you guys do on Fridays no, in the training room? I forget. Like, So the country stuff, obviously, it's, it's, a, it's an offensive lineman thing, right? Right. And so we had one stereo in the locker room, and that was kind of like, um, I don't know if we had an actual routine on who got to be in charge of it right. when, but uh, every once in a while, you'd hear some country or some like metal. I got you. I got you. We, Chad and Nate, everybody. Uh, yeah. Chad traveling today. Yeah, so, Chad's uh, traveling Evans today. and Schler are sitting in for a couple of minutes until Kyle Reese joins us. That's right. Kyle Reese is going to be sitting in for <laughs> Chad. Uh, and we switched some seats. I'm sitting in your seat, Evans. You're in just the, you I'm know, in the, the, the auxiliary. I'm in the auxiliary, auxiliary, press, auxiliary box. press box. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, it's a guilty pleasure Friday, and uh, I heard you guys on the way in talking about this Seattle Seahawks game, and, and you think it's going to be a tough tough matchup. Yeah, I think, I think obviously, I mean, I think the Seattle, just going to Seattle is a tough place to play. Um, obviously with the noise and the atmosphere and everything else, and then, you know, Russell Wilson coming back and that fan base going to be lubed up on a Monday night. It's it's going to be loud. It's going to be it's going to be tough. And and Pete Carroll getting his way. You know, Pete Carroll has wanted to to have a throwback football team for quite some time now. So he wants to rely on his defense. He wants to run the ball. He wants to have a quarterback that manages the game. Doesn't make a mistake. Doesn't take sacks. Doesn't do the things that you know that uh, that I think the perception is Russell did all the time in Seattle. And so I. I do. I think it's going to be. You don't think it's going to be a tough game? No, I do think it's going to be a tough game. And, and my question is: To what extent does Nathaniel Hackett tap into Russ's knowledge of the Seahawks to try to win this thing? Like, obviously, nobody knows the Seahawks better than Russell Wilson, right? He knows the psychology of everyone in that building. But do you make this a big deal? Like, do you make this a special game? Like, you really got to win this. So we're going to spend all these hours trying to figure out how to beat this guy and this guy, or do you just treat it like another game? Uh, and and just prepare to win and go win. Yeah, who has the advantage? Is it is it the quarterback who knows the coach and knows the personnel on the Seattle side of the ball, or is it the coach who knows his quarterback so well? Yeah, I, I would I would probably lean toward if you had if I had to pick one because I think both of them there's ab, uh, advantages to both sides, but I think if I really looked at it, it would probably be the coach. Would I would give him the the bigger advantage, understanding that here are the things that have hurt Russell Wilson, you know, over the course of time. These are the these are the issues that that have been created, um, that that have made you know Russell struggle at a time or two, and and so nobody would know that better than Pete Carroll, and isn't that what you're really trying to really trying to accomplish? So if the you know, if they build this up to be this re- like revenge game, mm-hmm. you know, we got to go there and get a win. Right. We got to go there and get a win no matter what. And the Broncos end up losing. Could the aftershocks of that loss be bigger than a normal game if you b- blow it up to be some huge revenge game? Because because Nathaniel Ackett has been pretty clear. He doesn't really prioritize September football. Mm. He's talked about how, how September football isn't what it used to be. And really, we got to be ready on the back end of the schedule. 
this offense hasn't played together at all. We don't know what we're going to see there. So is there a danger in building up this game to mean too much? Yeah, I think I think we as fans will build it up like that. I don't think they as a franchise or he as a coaching staff are going to build it up like that. This is going to be one of their approaches to, you know, to an extended preseason, if you will. And every time I travel around the league and I talk to coaches, they always talk about September being an extension of the preseason. I, I, I always think that at this point, the kind of keep it simple, stupid process is really a good thing for players, a good thing for football teams, Mike. It, to me, it really comes down to can we, can we take some of the volume out of the playbook? Can we keep it really simple? Can we hang our hat on three or four different runs that we really feel good about the play action that comes off of that stuff and keep ourselves out of, you know, out of tough situations? I, I just, I really think you I really think you pare things down and you really keep it as simple as possible. See, as a fan, I look at this matchup. If I'm doing the tail of the tape, I say the intangible checkbox goes to Seattle by, by a, a wide margin because the Broncos, it's game one of 17. Yeah, it's the first game of the season. You're always excited about the first game of the season, but I don't think that emotionally they can get anywhere near to the point that Seattle can get for this game and the way that Seattle can can pump themselves up for the game. So I would give the intangible advantage to Seattle. That's me speaking as a fan. You tell me as a couple of former players, you, you always hear, yeah, adrenaline, emotion, intangibles, that lasts as long as the first couple of hits. Yeah. And then it's a football game. I don't know. I, I, I would think in this case the, the adrenaline, the emotion, the intangible of the night – uh, could, will really help Seattle for a long time in this game. You think so? I do. I kind of see it like, you know, a couple splits up. They have mutual friends, and then they have new partners, and they attend a wedding together. Okay? And the one that broke up with the other one attends a wedding with his new girlfriend, and the, the ex-girlfriend attends a wedding with her new guy, and she wants to prove to the to the guy who left her that she's better, but she ends up getting way too drunk. <laughs> Boy, ain't you drunk. It, the first couple hours are great. Right. But as the night goes on, she's man. she's dancing like Elaine on the dance floor. Her shoes her shoes are gone. Right. Mascara's running. Uh, Do you think that Seattle could end up like that? <laughs> really, with their shoes off. That's a good analogy. Now yeah, it's become a, very vivid in my yeah, mind. That's, here a really, it. Yeah. that's a really good analogy. You're right. Yeah, at the end of the night. Tears flowing, <laughs> mascara smeared all over the place. Why doesn't he love me? Uh, humped in a ball, right? What did I do wrong? Right in the corner. Because the buildup, the buildup of the Seahawks fans yeah. has got to be just consuming them. And, and by the time the game time comes, they're going to be ready, man. It's like when I we used to play in Oakland with the Raiders. Like they would start tailgating very early, uh-huh. and I always knew how rowdy the crowd was going to be based on the the line to the porta potty when we got to the stadium. Mm-hmm. And the Raiders line was always snaking around the parking lot. The first quarter they were on fire, yeah. but by the third quarter they were on the they were on the downslide. They were turning on each other. Their right. mascara was running. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I wonder if Seattle's going to have that same stuff. You got to withstand the storm. I think that's a good point. I think it's a really good point. Have you been surprised at all about the uh, the vitriol? Have you followed any of the vitriol coming out of Seattle toward Russell Wilson, toward this new contract? Have you been surprised about that? A little bit, you know. Um, but is that just to justify what happened and just to kind of make them feel better about it? Mm. Like, do they really believe that? Or, or are they really just kind of jelly? Yeah. I think you're probably right. I think you have no choice as a fan base. You're ultimately supporting the name on the front. Yeah, not the name on the back. 
And you you got to believe that there's life after this guy. You have to believe that. Yeah. And you're going to believe that at least for a while. Now, check back in when Stink gets to do a Seattle game in week 10 or week 11 and they're 3-8. and eight, He yeah, walks right. into that building. Right. Now it's gonna then it's gonna be like you know you sold us a bill of lies. Right. <laughs> you know, that's how Seahawk fans is gonna. That's right. how Seahawk fans gonna be. Re- you lied to us, and they don't know that yet. They don't know that, and so they're. Gonna we be- know what's coming. Yeah, um, I got a question for you, Mike. Do you hate DMac? No, not all. Why? <laughs> I was just sort of joking, but you know, just the way you guys go back and forth, yeah, man. man it's, it it's, really comes at you. Like, it, 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 I, his I whole got, show was like, yeah. no, we're not going to talk about no. this much. You know, we feel bad for Mike, but no, let's no, do wait, another segment on Mike. Right, right. And, and, <laughs> let's, and let's continue to play a clip that is a complete lie and puts Evans completely out of context. But let's keep doing it. Yeah, no, that's fine. It's a game. It's a game. I, I, I play the game. He plays the game. We, oh. bo- we both play the game. In, this in instance, the end, we're friends. Yeah, I know. Who would win in a boxing match? Oh, it wouldn't be. Even, it wouldn't even be. It wouldn't be close. Would he? Would he land a punch? <laughs> oh, I'm sure he would. You know, a little. Just a little. You know, he'd be there. I don't you know. know. He'd be wearing the short shorts. And, you might be able you know, to stick a move. He, he might be sticking and moving. Well, you know, I don't know. Little jab. I don't know that he. Can... Oh, I got you. He's got the reach of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. I don't know that he's going to hit you with those little, those yeah, little alligator arms. arms. Yeah, um, but he's got the stamina. Oh, so yeah. you better knock him out in the first round. That's a good point, right? And listen, if it comes down to, it, I'll just headbutt him. He'll have no choice. Oh, yeah. With this head, you'll be disqualified. <laughs> but he'll be out for the count. He'll have no chance. Yeah, good point. Is there a ch- is there a chance that you're both wrong in this argument? I know the the discussion was about you know who was right when it came to how the Broncos should treat Russell or or whatever. Isn't the, isn't the reality that that Russell's people put a timeline on it? Maybe the Broncos did want to wait a year, but they kind of the, the uh, Russell's agent forced their hand and said, "Hey, know, you got to do it now." No, I think what you saw the numbers and how they they slot in so well and so comfortably with all the other contracts that have been done since Patrick Mahomes got done, and you just look at what ultimately matters—the guaranteed money—it all slots in pretty well there with Mahomes, Allen, Prescott, uh, Murray, Rogers. It all it all fits in. And uh, I'll say it one last time: the only reason I said. Uh, wait a year was in direct response to the idea that, hey, we gave up so much to get Russell Wilson. Let's just give him whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get the deal done. If it's 250 or $300 million, just get it done. Guaranteed. It was always the guarantee is what I talked about. Yep. And, um, and I said, if that's what you're advocating, if that's the alternative, then I'd rather wait. I got two years left on his deal. Let's see how he plays. Let's see how the market bears out before I immediately jump into a $250, $300 million Guarantee, which yep. I think we now realize after seeing the contract that he did sign and the reaction to it, how much of a difference 165 million guaranteed is compared to 250 or 300. That's all. Yeah, um, I I asked my agent about this a while ago, and um, you know, I said, do you, do you think it's a mistake that the Broncos didn't do a new contract with Russell Wilson before the trade was official? But this was before. But he said I'd have to take a look at his deal, but probably not. Give it a year for both sides to see what they have. If he's spectacular, they should be glad to pay him more. The economics of the NFL are about to boom in 2023, and for sure in 2024, every team knows it's coming. So this is an agent who represents like five starting quarterbacks in the NFL who actually believe what you believe, that maybe we should wait and see, see what both sides feel about the issue. Look at Mike. He's like a you proud listening, DMAC? You listening? He's like you a proud, listening? He's looking at proud. So someone nah. on the inside nah. who's advocating <laughs> no. for your approach. But I think ultimately, none of a, nobody knew the goodwill 
that existed between the two parties, and then neither of them were actually trying to use their leverage. If you honestly right. think that the market in the next year is going to go above what Russ, uh, what Deshaun Watson got, get a deal done as soon as you can. I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I think that that Deshaun Watson contract is regarded as poison around the other 31 yeah. NFL owners. I don't think even when Burrow and Herbert come up, they'll get anywhere near close to what Watson got. You think Burrow, I'm sorry, not Burrow, but Herbert is overrated? Stink. Ooh. Um, no, I don't. I think he's exceptional. And, you know, I've had the I've had the good fortune of meeting with him on, on several different occasions, calling a couple Chargers games. Um, not only exceptional arm talent, but just exceptional from the neck up. Just kind of understanding the game and, and making it very simple for himself. And so... I think he's outstanding. Now, can you overcome the Chargers' propensity to shank a field goal when they got a, a game-winning kick in front of them or, or go for it on fourth down and two from their own 12? You know, I mean, that's that's not his fault to me. So, no, I don't think he's – I don't. I, I mean, I think, you know, I think you've got to win playoff games, but I don't think he's overrated. I think the guy's exceptional. Well, I, for the sake of Broncos country, I hope he's overrated. Yeah. And I think Brandon Staley doesn't do him any favors. You guys did me a favor by sitting in here. Uh, James Merrillat is actually going to fill in after this. I know uh, everyone out there is happy to hear that Jimmy Merrillat's going to come on and and uh, another purveyor of lies. Yes. Oh yeah, he was, he, 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 he was part of that. He was part of the game. <laughs> it's right. All right, I'll stick it to him. They're All good. Right. No, they're good. They play the game well. Yeah, they the play tw- the game. That they play the game the way I would have played the game. So the I Twitter got gotcha game. I got to tip my cap to them. They played the game well. But they're liars. They got down in the mud. Well, Bullsy style. They bullsied you. They bullsied you. I came from the mud. Yeah. Put his arms and legs and let let him trust. That's let him right. Trust. All right. The grass is green. And Thanks, the guys. Cows are, uh, cows are chirping. And James Merrillat, he'll be on next. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. Welcome back to Chad and Nate. We got our, well, our third co-host of the day. Actually, our fourth now, because it started off with Mike and Mark sitting in, and then James was in the last segment, and here you are, Kyle Reese, joining us. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. We we threw it off that much, huh? Oh, it's good, man, but I still got to put you on blast. No, No, but um, we've never worked before, man. No, we haven't. No, this this is good. This is exciting. Let's do it. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to, to, to chat with you about this contract stuff, because... It just came down yesterday before yep. we got on the air. Counting other people's money is always fun. Right? I mean, that's what we do in professional sports. No doubt. Not other not other professions. Mm. My my parents taught me you don't ask people about how much they make. You know? And except. Except for athletes, right? <laughs> it's public domain, which is another weird thing about being an athlete. And we mm. talk about the money, man. It was... So I played six years in the NFL, and I was on a minimum minimum contract the whole time. Okay. I never had some big deal. I had a pretty decent signing bonus halfway through when I when I signed a new deal. Um, but I never made crazy money. Okay. My parents were both school teachers. When I started making minimum league minimum in the NFL, that was at the time. Yeah, because that's changed. It, it's changed. It's gone right. up, but it was still way, 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 way more money than my parents had ever made. And I went home and I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed by the money I was making to play this kid's game while my parents, who taught for 40 years, could never sniff that kind of really? money. Really? Yeah. It was it was a weird feeling. 
but they weren't because, embarrassed for you. Oh, I'm no, no, sure they, they were happy for you. They were totally happy for no me. No doubt. Man. Absolutely happy for me. Um, for a variety of reasons, okay. I was living my dream. I was playing the game I believed in. I, you know, said I was going to do something, and I, and I did it, and I was, you know, earning good money for doing it. But I couldn't help but feel like, man, I'm not contributing to society the way my parents have and are as teachers. And here I am making more money than they ever have. Hey, man, listen, if they didn't watch it on TV, if the advertisers didn't put the money up, you wouldn't be able to make it. So um, I'm not I'm not a huge apologizer. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just talking about the weird dichotomy yeah, yeah. that, yeah, that yeah. exists no there. No doubt. No doubt. Um, There's a little humility there. I can appreciate that. But it's a, and for most guys who, who end up in the NFL making a bunch of money, they didn't come from they, – they weren't rich growing sure. up. You know, so there is a weird – a weird new reality that comes when you when you're making this money. And for Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers, I'm looking at him at the top of this list. But Russell Wilson just signed a new deal: five years, two hundred forty-five million, forty-nine million per year. It doesn't kick in for another couple years because he's got two more years on his contract. He's got a hundred and sixty-five million dollars guaranteed. And by all accounts, yesterday he received the first payment of fifty million dollars. Right. So what would you like, do? How do you Kyle? wake up and how do you go to sleep on that on that day? Yeah, I mean, look, he already probably has a pretty good amount of money. Sure, he didn't go from zero to fifty million. <laughs> but um, what would you do if someone handed you a check for fifty million, Kyle? Oh man, would you have come in here today? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I actually really, really, really enjoy doing this, cool. um, despite me being a little tardy. <laughs> um, well, you said you were playing with your kids, and that yeah. takes precedent. It does. Uh, no, yeah, no. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Th- there's a few houses. Uh, there's a few mortgages in the family that I right. would knock out for sure. Um, obviously, fifty million dollars. It wouldn't take long, <laughs> so we'd knock those mortgages out. Um, and you know, I, I think the the ultimate freedom. You know, for a lot of Americans, honestly, is debt free, right? So you knock out the debt, and then you, you start planning the fun stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. There would there would be some, uh, some foolishness yeah. <laughs> for sure. I I would do something. I would probably do five or six stupid things with fifty million dollars. Easy. What's one of them? Um, um a, a, a stupid car, like a re- stupid I, I, car. I, I want, you gotta get somewhere. You gotta man, get from point A to point no, B. No, but I, you ever do you ever see somebody like in, Russ's like truck, like yes, that kind of thing? Yes, and something just ridiculously obnoxious. And it's got lights. Yeah, and, and, and you just, want that? I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people driving obnoxious trucks right now that are listening yeah. to me. Like, dude, I, I earned this. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I would I would get an obnoxious truck, and I would get an obnoxious garage to park it in. Um. Yeah. Let's 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 play this game. Three zero three seven one three one zero four three. We did it a little bit yesterday, but. Texters out there, what would you do with that $50 million check that came into your uh, bank account today? Um, would you would you keep doing the, the work you're doing? Would you go back to work? If so, I think that means you love your job. No doubt. If you if you would never step foot on that place again, maybe you're in the wrong line of work. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> maybe we all do what we got to do. That's where you're at in life, right? Right. Yeah, but what some would of us it, can or can't. And like Kyle, what would be that one or two silly purchases you made? Let us know and we'll read them over the air. I have a question for you. Yeah. So... Russell walks in with a fifty million dollar check. It's no, it's not news to the rest of the team. Everybody knows it. It happened, yeah, right? Yeah. But it's oh, there's also guys that are happy to be on the team from mm. you know the, the, the cuts were just the other day. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm I'm happy to be making my three hundred and twenty or whatever it is thousand yeah. hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Um. The the balance in the locker room. Um, how does that how does that play out? You've been there. You know, on a daily basis, you don't you don't really see it because you're all doing the same job. Essentially, you get there around the same time, you go to the same meetings, you're in the weight room together. You know, you're not 
dressing nice when you get to work. You're not wearing jewelry. You're not, you know, flashing your money. Obviously, in the parking lot, when you when you roll in, <laughs> you see a little bit of the disparity there. Right. And there is a temptation for some of the young guys to try to keep up with some of the veterans and buy that car that they like, you know, that $80,000 car. Right. Maybe don't do that. I made that mistake. Um, I bought a brand new Denali my first week on the practice squad. Oh, boy. Yeah. It was a, basically a $50,000, $60,000 vehicle um, that... I couldn't afford. Rookie, rookie mistake. Rookie mistake. I ended up being able to pay for it because I lasted six years, but it was, a, it was a foolish purchase. The day after I bought it, Rod Smith, who was a veteran receiver uh, on our team, was a, kind of a mentor to everybody off the field as well as on the field. He was a perfect, perfect type of veteran leader, but he had a money meeting for the rookies. Wow. And uh, he brought us into after practice uh, into, a, into a meeting room, and he had a little ba- black bag with him, and he said, guys, if you buy a $50,000 car, Okay, it's not just your signature there. It's this. And he reached into the bag, pulled out 50 grand cash, and dropped it on the table. <laughs> that was two days As after I bought mine. That's yeah. could do. Exactly. So, uh, lesson learned, a couple days too late. It ended up, though, being a motivator for me because, like, every day I jumped in it and drove to work, I'm like, I better have a good day at work. Yeah. Because I'm on the practice squad, and I could get cut at any time. I better work my butt off to make sure I can make these payments. Um, but, you know, some guys do try to keep up with the guys who make a lot of money, and... There are guys in the NFL who have to take out loans in the offseason because they went through their money, uh, their salary, that fast. Yeah. You only get paid during the season. Now, when you have all these bonuses and things like that, and you're getting the guaranteed money and all this upfront stuff, and that's different. But when you're just a guy on the team, you know, and you have a minimum contract and stuff like that, you get paid one-seventeenth of that every week. And in the offseason, you don't make any money. Yeah. And so you have to actually budget your money. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> I think the most notorious one that I've heard of was Vince Young, who had to take out a loan during the lockout, or not the lockout, or the, the contract, the, C, the new CBA was still being negotiated. Yeah. As it was somewhat of a lockout at the time. And Vince Young had to take out a loan, and notoriously, he threw himself a birthday party with the loan. It's oh, like, wow. It's like, yeah. Ouch. Not the smartest thing, right? Someone else is supposed to throw you the birthday Yeah, come on with it, man. But the, the mistake we make when we're 25, 26 years old. You know, I got a question for you because you're a high school football coach. That I am. For 14 years. Oh, man. At Overland. Not only at Overland, but this is, yeah. Right now you're at Overland. Yes, sir. Right? So, so I got some questions about NFL football money, these types of contracts, uh. and how that trickles down to these young men, these, these kids who want to do this maybe someday, who have dreams of being a football star. Do they pay attention to the money? I'm going to ask you that next. Oh, but first... How did the Rockies fare yesterday? Are you wondering? Here's Spilly to fill us in. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. Say you don't know me. I recognize my face. I'm laughing because this song is so bad and it is so good at the same time. This is We Built This City. By Starship. You guys remember Starship? Um, I remember gets, the song. What was it What was it from? Was it on a soundtrack? I, I think it had to be. Okay. Yeah. Let it play, Johnny. Cause the bridge is great. Yeah. This part? There we go. Let's go. <laughs> oh, man. This is Guilty Pleasure Friday. I am Nate Jackson. I'm here with Kyle Reese. Chad is on assignment. Today, for some other company, he does a lot of media stuff, and he's calling a game 
on Saturday. Uh, we built the city. And rock like and roll. 80s music. Yeah, man. Uh, I feel like... It's a special time. I don't like we can get off my lawn and like, oh, it was always better in the good old days. But I feel like the 80s had a very definable culture. The 90s as well. And as soon as the internet came in, it all just... Whoosh, like, what's the... What are the lasting, like, songs of the last 10 years? Like, can you... What's the best song of the last 10 now, years? That is a great question. Now that we, we're going to get this text there line are lit no up. Songs. Yeah, the, you're right. Like, like yeah. since it, what, the internet gonna, has washed it all out. be Nelly. No. no. And that's not even in the last 10 years. Yeah, Nelly yeah, was like, right. you know, yeah. in the aughts. Man. But the 80s really did uh, produce some, some wonderful music. And we're going to be playing some of that today. Um, okay, before the break, I asked you a question about money, Kyle, because that's what we've been talking about last okay. couple of days. Um, money, money, money. Aaron, I keep saying Aaron Rodgers because he's at the top of this list. Russell Wilson, five years, $245 million, $49 million a year. Aaron Rodgers is the only guy who's going to be making more than that. Fifty point two seven million a year for Aaron Rodgers. The salary cap is two hundred two million dollars for the team. So you think about fifty point two seven. That's about twenty five percent of the salary cap spent on one dude. Yeah. Okay. And look, when I was growing up in the eighties, listening <laughs> to Starship and Huey Lewis, um, and in the nineties, following football, I was a Forty Nine er fan. I had a lot of heroes who were in the NFL, I didn't know what any of them were making. We never talked about contracts. Yeah. We never talked about money. The access to information. Yeah, that it wasn't, wasn't part there. of it. It yeah. just wasn't part of it. I mean, the content around the game was the pregame show and maybe the postgame show yeah. and the newspaper. And, and Al Michaels, the, the, right. the personalities took, took precedent over the finance of it. Right. But it now, was, it was great. It was every pure. single detail, spot track tells you yeah. everything about every guy's contract and how much money he's made and what's he going to do and this, 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 PFF analyzes this and that. So, as a high school football coach, how does these numbers trickle down to your team, to your to your guys? Do they talk about that? Are they aware of that? How does that affect them? Um, I don't think it's about, it's so much of the NFL that's have the having the impact. Uh, even though, you know, I don't know a, a high school football player that hasn't you know, entertain the thought or, you know, dreamed about playing in the NFL. That I mean, that's a kid's dream, and very few guys actually realize it. So you try to keep a level head without squashing their dreams, right? So, um, you, you know, we never talk about that any anything, anytime or at all. Um, I've never had a player go pro. I, I, you know, I've had a bunch of friends um, and, and teammates, but I've never had a player that I've coached go pro. I've had a bunch of players go on and play Division One college and, and, you know, and play in big stadiums and, and have some fun that way, but um, so you try to keep those things per, in perspective, but the money um, that's really starting to penetrate the conversation now is the name, image, and likeness money. Right, right, because that's real. So that's waiting for them at the next level. That, that's that's like two or three years away for a lot of guys. Right, and for some guys, that's that's a real conversation. You look at C.J. Stroud the other day. I'm giving the whole team five hundred dollar gift cards. So you guys can go get a suit, dude. You're twenty. Who has access to that kind of money when they're twenty? Yeah, right. So. Um, so it does bode well, though, for for kind of the way these guys might use the money, right? That's a very selfless way, a selfless is, act to, it's, it's to cool. use that because obviously you appreciate your teammates. It's a team sport; you can't do it by yourself. Yeah, it's cool. It, it's cool. Does right? that give you hope that these guys might spend their their money the right way? Um, if he has five hundred dollars to give to eighty five guys, because um, I imagine he's not giving it to the non scholarship guys, right? He's not giving it to guys that wouldn't travel. Or maybe he is because there's usually about 130 players on a Division One team, so that's a lot of $500 gift cards. Yeah. Um. So I don't know how he's doing it, but if he has that to give, imagine what he's making. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's, I, I, I don't know that he's not spending it foolishly. He, you know, that might be one of three or four foolish things that he's doing. But, you know, it's his business. It's his money. Knock yourself out. Um, long story short is that, yes, there are a lot of conversations now in high school football about making money in the next two or three years and what I want to do and who I'm going to sign with and how I'm going to sign with them. Um, and parents are starting to ask those questions. So, oh. um, so yeah, it's um, it's bittersweet because, you know, I think the come up is coming to the college football player. Um, but I think there's going to be a correction uh, to bring this thing back to center in the next, I hope, in the next four or five years. Well, only time will tell because it is uncharted territory, right? No one no knows doubt. what's going to happen. Yeah. And But I, I think when you're looking at this Russell Wilson contract, prior to it being inked, a lot of folks were looking at this thing through the lens of leverage and advantage, which it's you can't really blame them for because, look, we've been conditioned to think that that's what it's about. It's the money. You know, the player is always trying to get the most money he can, and the team is always trying to give the player the least money that they can. So the discussion about new contracts always presupposes this condition. And when you're talking about the argument between Mike Evans and Darren McKee, that's the lens through which they're seeing it. Leverage. What what works for the Broncos? What works for Russell Wilson? But what ended up happening was neither side was looking at it through the viewpoint of leverage. They were looking at it through collaboration. And how can we make something that works for both of us and still allows us to sign guys, to pay guys in the future? He didn't try to reset the market. He didn't rake them over the coals. And, uh, well, Russ talked about that, and uh, here he is. All right, well, as John looks for that one, this is um, – okay, he's got it. I had an amazing first, you know, decade in my career. The next decade, um, I'm really excited about. And so, to me, what it's really about is is being able to win championships and being able to have enough space in the salary cap so George can make his magic and we can get guys like Randy Gregory when he comes on the team or other great players, you know. And um, I, I think that we want, we want to make this a destination location. I think that it's one of those things that we have amazing tradition, an amazing football team. And uh, I think what's important too is making sure that you surround yourself around amazing players. You know, and so for me, uh, you know, I, I love these guys, man. We've been having a blast. It's been an amazing joy. And so for me, it wasn't really about, you know, how much necessarily. It was about how many, how many Super Bowls we can win. And that's really uh, the focus. Quite refreshing to hear him talk like that. Um, you got to think that he's got enough money. He's not going to miss any meals. The guy knows that his legacy is going to be defined on his Super Bowl victories and not how much money he makes. I, I can appreciate that outlook. Let, let me ask you a question. In regards to that, do players owe it to the rest of the um, to the rest of players in the locker room and the NFL to get as much money as they possibly can? Because there's there's a there's a common belief out there that says, you know, the organization is going to try to take advantage of you. As you said, they're going to get as much out of you for as little, which is just business. Right. Yeah, we get that. But it is also your responsibility to make sure that they don't for the next guy. Yeah. Do you do you subscribe to that? I don't. Okay. And I've heard I've heard former players on this station that do that talk about hey, hey the rest of the players in the NFL are going to be looking at you sideways if you don't try to squeeze them for every every last drop. I don't agree with that at all. I think that it is about winning. It is about your team. It is about the family. It's not about the the union. It's about the team. Yeah. The, the NFL players union doesn't care about you actually. <laughs> Let the, the union cares about you less. Then the NFL itself, sometimes that's how I feel. Wow. The union. Go in on that. I, I, I'm, I'm interested. Man, okay. 
There's a lot of different layers to this. Okay. okay. We're going to come back to the money, though. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no. I mean, money's part of this. Okay. So the CBA, the Collective Bargaining Agreement, there are haves and have-nots in the union, okay? The haves, who make the, the most money and obviously contribute the most to the union, um, are often treated differently than the rest of the NFL. The guys who are not going to have lifetime money are not going to be vested, are not going to get health insurance, are not going to get benefits, are not going to get a pension. Okay. And the union advising players not to come to OTAs, you know, don't do voluntary stuff. Stay away from the facility. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get taken advantage of by the team, by your coaches. Whereas when you're trying to build a team, you know this as, right. a, as a football coach, you need to be together. Right. You need right. to get together. You need to work together. You need to get to know one another. And so the priorities are different. Between and some guys need that workout bonus. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they need the workout bonus. And the, and, the, and the more they're there with their teammates, the better they're going to play, the longer their career is going to be. If you are on a bad team with a lack of cohesion, you're going to wash out of the league faster than if you're on a good team and you're clicking on all cylinders. So the longevity of your career actually depends on you being a member of this team and an integral part of the team and not just representing yourself and getting as much as you can. Hold on, hold on, Nate, because I think you just introduced a really crazy concept. You mean being a good teammate can lead to longevity? Yes. Okay, all right, keep going. I'm yep. listening. Yep, and I know, look, like... There are many, many instances that can back up the, oppos- the, the opposing view. Okay. That they are going to screw you over. That they are looking to cast you away. That they are going to trade you away when you, you, know, you start to fall apart or even a couple years before that. Not for long. Not for long at all. I mean, there were a lot of instances of me being in the locker room having a good buddy whose locker is right across from me or whatever. I see him every day. I come into work the next day. His locker's cleaned out. He's gone. And I never see that guy again. There are... Scores of friends I've had that uh, that's how my friendship ended with them of not getting to say goodbye. Um, And that's part of the deal. But I do believe that if you want to build something special as a team, you got to think about your teammates. Your teammates are on your team, not the union, not the guys on other teams. It's like doing the offensive lineman camp where we all go to Florida and share secrets. Not into that. (laughs) Share the secrets with your teammates. With your guys. Not everybody because it might come back to bite you. All right, we're going to continue to uh, talk about <laughs> money, other people's money, <laughs> and what are the implications going forward for Russell Wilson? What are the expectations of this offense, especially early in the season and especially September 12th against the Seattle Se- Seahawks? We'll do that next. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. That's right, you're listening to Chad and Nate. This is Nate. Chad is on the road. We're joined by Kyle Reese, and this is a guilty pleasure Friday. That is another night by Real McCoy. Are, are the, are, is this like for real you on the guilty pleasure? Like you for real like these songs? I love them. Okay. All right. Can you tell by the look in my eyes? No, I'm not, I mean, I'm not choosing. Me off a little bit, but look, yeah. if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm choosing to listen to some music uh, for whatever purpose, I'm not throwing on these songs randomly. But right. I have compiled a list of guilty pleasure songs for this purpose. Okay. Because these are the types of songs you do. I saw you bobbing your head a little bit over that. And I know, and I guarantee you, everybody <laughs> in their car is like, okay, all right, let's do this. Who, it's one of those me, songs you, that you, if you, it's me. on, you won't turn it off, but you won't turn it on. You won't turn it on. You, you won't, won't take turn it on. But, okay. but hey, but maybe now someone will. Yeah. Um, if you got a re- Guilty Pleasure if, Friday. Right. If you got a request, uh, a song request for Guilty Pleasure Friday, 
Text it in. 303-713-1043. I also posed a question to you guys. What would you do with $50 million? Um, and we got some pretty some pretty good answers on the line. Um, we got uh, some people. Well, first thing I would get is a C8 Z06 Corvette so I could have reliable transportation to run errands. Reliable. That's <laughs> from Jerry. I got to have a Corvette because everything else won't start. That's right. Uh, we got this one. I would buy a boat and become a tour guide on the coast of Mexico. Okay. That's Rome. Okay. Very Lovely. specific. Um, I'd buy the fan, so you'd have no choice but to hear my ridiculous takes. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Start yeah, your own radio yeah. station. I don't know if 50 million is going to do it, but um, yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think 50 million would buy you the fan? Yeah, I don't know. if It, it might get you the, the frequency, but I don't think it's going to get you the infrastructure. Like, it's not going to get me and you because <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. If I knew you had $15 million, my price is going up. So, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm, I'm taxing, man. All right. Very good. Very good. Okay. Well, before the break, um, I talked about Russell Wilson and the expectations now that he has this new contract in place. And so, really, all the, the pillars are set. Um, the new owner, the new coach, the quarterback, the system. You got a pretty strong roster. So, Kyle, what are the expectations for the Broncos this season? Um, I, I believe that, for one, you're going to expect Russell to play like a $50 million man, right? What does that look like to you? Um, I, it can't just be efficient, right? It, it can't be, you know, uh, two touchdowns, uh, one interception, 180 yards. What if, they, made, what if they get the win, Kyle? What, what matters more, the, the numbers or the wins? Well, the wins, obviously. I okay. mean, the wins take precedent all the time. But I think how you win, unfortunately, matters. Mm. Unfortunately, style matters anymore, mm. right? Yeah. And I don't think that's the old school football that either one of us appreciate or are from. Right. But style does matter. How it looks does matter, especially early on. Because if Russell Wilson doesn't look like... Russell Wilson, you can you, you're only going to deteriorate as time goes on. So as you get down to the 36, 37, 38 year old, you know what I mean? Like you're not going to feel really great about how he's going to play at that time if he's not playing well at 34. Why is that? He's talking about the next decade. I hear you. And, and well, you don't believe him? I, I, you don't I, believe him? I, I feel like he he does have the infrastructure. I think if $50 million does get him the infrastructure that he needs to be successful. And from all accounts, he is very well invested into his mind, body, and spirit as a person and player. We know that. Okay, so he's not neglecting those things. Um, but the stats got to tell the story, too. Mm. And, 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 and the other thing about it is, over time, over the next two or three years, we can't see what happened to the Seahawks. Right. Because the Seahawks, Russell got the money. Right. Because he outplayed his rookie deal and he should have gotten the money. But as time went on, guys started holding the holding the organization up. Right. Earl Thomas held him up. Cam Chancellor held him up. And that started to be the downfall or part of the downfall of the Seahawks. So 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 the way the Seahawks end up faring actually determines how you view Russell Wilson's contribution here. If if the Seahawks end up in you know having a, a tough year this year, but next year they 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 eke out a five hundred, and then three years from now the Seahawks are winning the NFC West, uh. going to the playoffs. Noah Fant is a Pro Bowl uh, tight end. Shelby Harris is a Pro Bowl defensive lineman. The first round pick next year ends up being a stud, and Russell Wilson is middling. 
uh, with you know, 28 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, and the Broncos are, are 10 and 7. You got a problem with that? I think you, if you throw more than 10 interceptions, you're going to have a problem. But uh, that wasn't where I was it going. It didn't used to be that way, by the way, with interceptions. Yeah. It didn't used to be. We used to, it, it wasn't such a taboo back in the day to throw a pick. No. Picks happen, man. But there wasn't as much space on the field back in the day either. You what know what, what mean? do you mean by that? Um, I, I think um, the NFL has evolved in a way where you where you play sideline to sideline, and offenses have been really uh, cognizant of making you defend all 53 and whatever change. Having the defense has gotten better as well. Aren't the windows to throw it in there pretty pretty tiny? Yeah, like, uh, isn't there that old story about, you know, um, I think it's Peyton Manning or somebody comes to the NFL and some guy's like, uh, and the coach says, why didn't you throw that ball? He said, he wasn't open. And he said, no, in the NFL, that, that is, is open. open. You got to fit it in that window. Oh man, I don't want to give you all of Kyle Reese in one in one sitting. Why? <laughs> uh, I want those where we're going to do it again. Kyle, um, come on, don't hold back. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, to answer to answer your first question, um, cut it loose. If, if, yeah. <laughs> I, I was. I don't know if the, how the Seahawks do tells me how I feel about Russell Wilson, but there is something to be said about how you feel after the one is gone. Right? How do you bounce back? Do you bounce back and, and you're still, you know? successful to some degree, uh, I think that'll tell you a lot about Pete Carroll for one. So um, maybe that is part of the metric that we use in two or three years. Sure. Um, but yeah, you know, to, and, and to kind of transition, yes, things ha- things have changed. You know what I mean? The, the field has opened up. And I think one of the biggest lies that we tell you on media is that guys aren't running open in the NFL. I see guys running wide open in the NFL all the time. It's just that Why the don't windows, they the they, because the windows close faster. Mm. They close. It's not that there's not windows. They just close faster. So that's right? a, so that's a lie. That 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 it's that it's harder to get open in the NFL. That's not it, true. that's a that's a big lie. Mm. That's a big lie. How many times did Noah like you know Noah fans part, part of his game is the boot game, right? You, you, he's got to play the he's got to play the high to, to the the low to high flat or low to mid flat, right? That's part of his game. So how many times how, how does he keep running open? Well, because it's an effective play action pass because it's right. a believable but run game. Still and no open. Fan, well, no fan. He the reason why he's open in the flat so much is he's on the backside of a play action run. He's not a believable front side blocker. He was on the backside of that, and then he just sneaks out in the flat. Yeah, he's open, but how many yards did he gain on those passes? I, but um, you Two yards, to tell me all these million dollar coordinators can't figure that out, and and why is he always running open? How, how many times did that result in a first down for the Broncos? I think Noah Fan was a leading receiver last year. How uh, how many times did he fall short of the sticks? Uh, well, I'll have to I'll have to research that. Yes, you should come here armed with that information, Kyle. <laughs> yes, I'll right, definitely to get back to you. Your argument. Well, it was just we we kind of got off on a tangent. But okay, expectations, yeah. Yeah, expectations for Russell Wilson in 2022. Uh, you said he's got to be playing basically almost at an MVP level. He's got to be in that conversation. I think that is a really good summary of what I was thinking. Thank right. you. I could tell. Yes. Yeah. You, yeah, man. You 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 got me down really quick. And so, <laughs> if he doesn't play at that level, oh man, who is to blame? Because Russell's obviously got the track record to be able to do that. Sure. So is it going to fall on his coach? No, I, I think it falls squarely upon Russell. Okay. Right? Because, um, I, I, I'm a firm believer that if you got the guys. Um, mostly it doesn't it doesn't really matter what what you run. You know what I mean. So I, I think I think schematics. Um, it doesn't think, matter what you run. I think schematics come into play when the playing field is even. But if you're telling me Russell Wilson is a dude and he's a top ten quarterback or top five or whatever wherever you put him at, right? 
he should be able to execute whatever we put it, put out there. And if you're telling me he has a large part in the conversation about what we put out there, and he's telling you what he does well and what he likes and who he likes and all those things, because I know he's a part of that conversation because you just told us a week and a half ago he has an office in the building. Yes or no? Oh, yeah, he does. So, yeah. so what we're running is what Russell likes. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it falls squarely upon Russell. Make the money, make the play. <laughs> that simple. I, I Who has so. more job security, though, Russell what? or Nathaniel Hackett? Uh, Russell. I mean, right. but, uh, it, coaches go first so, all the so time. So he'll be the scapegoat, uh, Coach Hackett, if, it, if Russell doesn't cut the cheese. You've seen Not cut the cheese, cut it, the mustard. Well, if he cuts the cheese. Well, if he cuts the cheese, uh, both of them got it. Yeah, no, he's definitely going to blame Coach Hackett for that one, too. <laughs> no doubt. Who, who's going to get blamed when someone cuts the cheese? I don't know. <laughs> I think we're gonna. We, this is something we got to dig into a little more. Uh, we're gonna talk about this more. And uh, do we got Troy? Troy Wright coming up next. Uh, our Broncos insider. He's got something to say about cutting the cheese. That's next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate on Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.